Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, hi. How y'all doing? Let me introduce you to today's players. We have Jesse, he's the father, eight sons, two daughters. We got an Old Testament prophet by the name of Samuel. Two books out of the Old Testament is written about his activities. And then we have the eighth son of Jesse. His name is David. God tells Samuel, I want you to go to the town where Jesse lives. I want you to have an event and invite him and his sons to the event. One of his sons will be the next king of Israel. He does not tell Samuel who this son is. He said, I will reveal who he is to you when you are in his presence. So Samuel goes there and he sets up a little event that is to take place to kind of disguise why he was there in the first place. So the original king or the present king, Saul, would not have him killed. He invites Jesse and his sons to the event. Now watch this. God invites David to an event that his own daddy leaves him out of. God invites David in and his earthly daddy leaves him out. Let's pick it up. First Samuel chapter 16 verse 10 on the side screen, Jesse had seven sons and had them pass before Samuel and Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Well, he says there's one, there's a still the youngest. Now think about it. If you, when, when God said that there would be a son from Jesse that would be the next king, that son becoming the king would change Jesse's life. You would think that the dad would be gathering up not only all his sons, but all the neighbor's sons too, and claiming them as his. But instead he leaves his only, his smallest son, David, out into a field. And it wasn't even his idea to go get him. It was Samuel that says, send for him. He said, where is he? He's out there. He's tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Let me pray. Father God, right now, help me help every person that is in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Fellowship Church family. I want to interrupt your regularly scheduled worship gathering to bring you this breaking news announcement. There is an epidemic that has invaded the life of every person who is seated in this very special room right now. It is an epidemic that is often undetected. It is undiagnosed. It is underestimated and it is completely unavoidable. It is the infection from rejection. No matter who you are, no matter how old you might be or where you have come from, you will ultimately have to deal with the reality of rejection 
in your life. And I can say this with confidence, because the most perfect person who ever walked the face of this earth dealt with being rejected over and over again. He always did what he should have done. He always said what he should have said. He always treated people the way they should be treated. And people still rejected him and continue to reject him today. Scripture even tells us that the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief, the most important cornerstone in the project. So if people can reject a perfect Jesus, it is unrealistic and it is illogical for you to think that people will not reject you. Every person I know has dealt with rejection. If you were the denied the job, then you were rejected. If you were passed over for a raise or a promotion, then you have felt rejection. If you were broken up with by a boyfriend or a girlfriend, that is rejection. If you ever looked at her and said, how you doing? And she looks down, or worse than that, she rolls her eyes. You have felt rejection. If you have ever smiled your best smile at him and said, hi, and he said, hello, and kept on walking out of that room, then you have felt rejection. If you were not picked for the squad, rejection. If you did not make the team, rejection. If you have ever gone through a divorce, where someone said, I will love you for all of your life. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And then said to you, I can't stand the thought of spending another year in your presence. Then you have felt the pain of rejection. If you are a child of parents that ever got a divorce, even though they told you hundreds of times that this has nothing to do with you, when you sat down at the breakfast table and one of those parents were no longer there on a regular basis, regardless of what they said, you have still felt the sting of rejection. Everyone in this room who has to deal with the reality of rejection, Rejection on the side screen is a refusal on the part of someone else to accept you and appreciate you for who you are and also for who you are not. It also means to throw backwards. And that is exactly how the enemy uses this as a weapon against you. He uses it to inhibit your advancement, to block out your blessings and to stop your progress, to throw you literally backwards. Rejection on the side screen is a weapon that the enemy uses to wound the very soul of a person. And a soul wound is a different kind of wound. It is a wound that bleeds slowly and it bleeds internally until finally things in your life start to die. A relationship dies, joy dies, happiness starts to die, and you don't even know how to analyze what's going on. Because when we unknowingly or we underestimate the damage of a soul wound, we will not tend to that wound properly. This is what God criticized when it came to his leaders and his pastors and prophets of the Old Testament. He said, my children are wounded deeply. And you are teaching them Mary had a little lamb. 
you are trying to band up what could be a mortally, a mortal type of a wound. You're trying to put a band-aid on it. And he said, when it comes to my people, don't play games with them because they are hurting, because they've got wounds, because there are things that need to be addressed and help, real help that needs to be given. And this is what he said in Jeremiah 6, 14. They have, and this is God's criticism of his leaders, they have treated my people's brokenness superficially. Well, for the next three to four weeks, I'm going to be taking just about 20 to 25 minutes. And I'm going to be teaching you one particular message that's a two hour long message, but I'm going to do it in several parts. Now, now listen, that means that I might stop a service abruptly, but if I do, I will pick it up the following week, I promise. Because when you have an unaddressed soul wound, there is always danger of that wound in your life being subject to infection. It may not be the blow that kills you. may not be the cut that kills you, but the infection will. An infection from rejection does not show up in the form of pus. It shows up in personalities. You see, some infections people want to call their own identity. Now watch this. That cynical, fault-finding, negative, bad attitude person wants to say that's just their identity. That's how I am. That is not their identity. That is an infection. That callousness, that dismissiveness, that cold-heartedness, that inability, inability for you to be able to connect with anyone else on an emotional level, that is not your identity. That is an infection. That people-pleasing tendency that sacrifices your purposes on the altar of someone else's pleasure. That is not an identity, that's an infection. That messianic complex where you have to swoop in and fix every problem for everybody. And you overcommit, you overextend yourself to help people that are really not that interested in helping themselves till you completely crumble under the pressure and the, and the demands to find approval from everyone that is not your identity. That is an infection. That timidity that causes you, yeah, go ahead, jump on in there anytime you want. That timidity that causes you to stand on the sideline waiting for somebody for years to finally call your name instead of aggressively stepping out onto the playing field yourself, hollering out, I got next. That is not your identity. That is an infection. And because the things in your past shaped you into this does not mean that your God does not want to reshape you into that. And he does so by resetting your mindset. There is healing that God wants to do in individuals' lives. And it is the type of healing that takes place in a person. And if it doesn't take place, you will find yourself 10, 20, 30 years down the road still dealing with an infection that you received from an inject, a rejection when you were in your teens or even in your 20s. That type of infection of your soul is not good for your present spirituality, and it is not good for your future success. And it is all over this story of David in 1 Samuel. The Bible says that Samuel goes there. He says to Jesse, basically, there is a king in your house, and you don't even know it. 
There's royalty walking all up and down in here and you don't even realize it. There is greatness in here and you can't even see it. It's right underneath your nose and you're missing it. Now, I don't want to mess with this very much. I don't want to bother with it, but I could. Because some of you in this room can relate to this. Sometimes the people who know you the best value you the least. And just because you see me a lot doesn't mean you see me right. Because there is a child of God in this house. There is royalty walking around in here. And just because you can't see it in me doesn't mean it doesn't exist in me. I had nothing to do with it. All I did was walk in one day and God said, you are my next royalty in this place. So Jesse parades his seven sons in front of Samuel. Samuel says, nope. He says, you got any more? Samuel says, bring them on in. And uh, there has to be something wrong here. Why does Samuel have to say that? Why wasn't Jesse going, oh yeah, 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 somebody go get David out of the field. And Jesse goes, Samuel says this, says, we're not sitting down until he walks in. Because if you only have eight sons, and I've already seen that God's rejected seven of them, the next one that walks through the door is royalty. And nobody is sitting down and ignoring royalty. And those of you who have been rejected, who have been overlooked, who have been missed, whose eye contact has gone over your head to see somebody else that they want to see in the room, those of you that have been ignored will one time be stood up for by the very people that ignored your existence because you, my sister, you, my brother, have been chosen by your heavenly father to be royalty in your life. And just because somebody else can't see it doesn't mean it does not exist. Now David's smart. He walks into the room and he sees that there's an event happening. He sees the brothers all standing there. He noticed nobody sat down and nobody's relaxed when he walked in. He had to feel that something odd was going on. Wait a minute. He gets word. There's a king among us. He has to see that everybody was there and he wasn't called for. He has to see that something important was going on and he was left out of it. Wait a minute. Daddy? You knew that this could possibly change my life and you didn't even invite me? It's not like you didn't know where I was, Daddy. You're, I was right out there where you put me and you did not care enough about me to even call me into the party? Daddy, you left me out of this? I don't care what Samuel thinks. I don't know Samuel. I care what you think. And you left me out. That's pain. Look on the side screen. Rejection hurts the worst when it comes from people that we value the most. So Samuel stands him before his brothers and he pours oil on his head. And his brothers are all watching. It's a sign of him being set apart 
to be the next king. And his powerful spirit of God comes on his life for the rest of his life. But right there, he is oily and he's still injured because your anointing is not your healing. Your being anointed or set apart by God to be used for God is not your healing from God. It is two entirely different things. And if you don't understand this, then you will not understand how some people can be so anointed. They can be so gifted. They can be so used of God in a powerful way. But at the same time, they can be personally dysfunctional. And they can be personally struggling. And they can be deeply hurt. But still used. You want me to tell you who the best ministers in this room are? It's those of you that are sitting there right now that are facing the deepest pain you've ever faced in your life. First service, a man and his three sons were in, that, in the service in the first, first hour, and his 44-year-old wife died of cancer yesterday. Sons, 17, 19, and 21. And after the service was over, I grabbed another police officer friend of mine, his wife died of cancer. And I told him, I said, I'm gonna get you two together for coffee because you're the best minister for him in this house. Just because you've been set apart and anointed does not mean you have been completely healed from all the past hurt that you've ever gone through in your life. So David's anointed. He is promoted. He goes from shepherd to king, but his position does not change his condition. And this pattern follows David his entire life. Watch it unfold. He ends up playing as a musician for the current king. Let me explain that to you. Saul is troubled by a depressed spirit. The Bible says God sent a depressing spirit in the life of Saul. And so these guys came to him and said, Saul, let's get a musician to play a harp for you. So when you're depressed and deeply down, we'll have soothing music around you and it'll take you out of that state of depression. Okay, Saul said, let's do it. They went and they got David. Said he's good looking. He's a warrior. He's a worshiper. He's wonderful. You'll love him. They bring him in. Saul loves him. Listen, Saul said he loved him dearly. So he made him an armor bearer. Now all of a sudden people started noticing him and saying, David, Saul's killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. Saul hears the song. He wants to shut the song up because that was not helping his depression. So one day when David is there, Saul throws a spear at David. Look at it. Saul thought, I'll pin David to the wall. He threw the spear at David how many times? But David dodged and got away how many times? Okay, now right there I can tell I'm not like David. I've always loved David. He's a worshiper and a warrior. Okay, I'm a worshiper and a warrior. He's a man's man. I think I'm a man's man. He killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands. I'll use a gun. <laughs> but I love David. I love him. But I do not relate to him here because of one little word in the text. You know what it is? Twice. You don't get twice with me. You get once. You throw a spear at me one time, you will not get a chance to throw it the second time. Because I will never be in a room with you again if you try to kill me while I'm trying to help you. 
You see, if you don't like me, don't min let receive ministry from me. Just let me go. Don't try to kill me. And here's what, here's what I don't understand about David. You don't get to throw it twice at me. You only get to throw it once. But David had two occasions where Thrall threw a spear at him to pin him to the wall. Why did he say, stay? Because, watch, watch, it goes all the way back. Saul loved him dearly. And he was willing to stay in a situation that was not healthy for him in order to receive from Saul what he did not receive from his own daddy. Take a look at it on the side screen. I will subject myself to abusive situations and will tolerate abuse because I don't want to live without their love. Later on, his own son Absalom was trying to kill him and take the kingdom from him. And many of David's soldiers are saying, we need to take Absalom out. And David said, no, no, you, you lay a hand on him and I will kill you. It got so bad, Joab came to David and said, David, what's going on with you? You treat those that love you like they hate you. You treat those that hate you like they love you. You treat people the worst who treat you the best. And David's infection showed up in a personality trait called selective conflict avoidance. He killed a, Goliath, a giant named Goliath, but yet he would let little people stay around him who wanted to kill him. And he would not leave Saul because he did not want to lose Saul's love. And he would not kill Absalom because he did not want to be rejected by Absalom. He wanted some people in his life that he cared for to not reject him so badly that he never learned what you and I must learn today. Rejection, number one, says more about them than it does about me. If you reject me, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna go on without you because that is your issue, that is not my issue. And David never learned that. He never learned that rejection can be a result of people's vision and not your value. The problem with people rejecting you is not that you do not have value, it's just that they can't see it yet. And the third thing he never learned was rejection can be a result of your success exposing their failure. And that again has nothing to do with you. Would you bow your heads with me for prayer please? Father God, I, I wanna thank you that at the beginning of this series, you've allowed people to open up their minds and open up their hearts. You have exposed to us, Father, the possibility of infections that have gotten into our hearts and souls due to rejection and due to the fact that we did not look at that rejection properly. There is royalty in here. Kings and queens walking all up and down in here. Greatness that's being overlooked that will not be overlooked in the days to come. And Father, thank you that this is a safe place to deal with really, really deep wounds. And I believe in the name of Jesus that healing is beginning in this house. 
and it's going to radically change the lives of everyone under the teaching of your word in the three or four weeks to come with this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quick, I want you to repeat after me really loud to make this confession. I am not perfect, but I'm enough. More next week. See y'all. Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. Help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message.